This is Packers Now. Kyle Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Place for all your Packers news. Lost it over the left side into the end zone. Intercepted! Adrian Get the latest updates on the green and gold. Snap to Aaron Rodgers. Sets, fires, right side. Got Jordan Kelly at the 30. Touchdown! It's always Packers season at Packers Now. Right here, right now. I am your host, Ben Krakowski, and on the final day of the draft, the Packers had just an incredible day drafting, getting great late round prospects to add to this team. And just honestly, we're gonna what we're gonna do today is we're gonna recap the whole weekend. We're gonna recap what I did, kind of evaluate the class. But the biggest thing the Packers did so well on Saturday was that they took advantage of value of falling prospects. Okay. There is the overall consensus draft board. We talked about this a ton, but it rates all the prospects where they're at. And there are every single player the Packers drafted pretty much was on that list about, uh, it was an incredible steal of selections again and again, and just getting great value is what you should be focusing on as a financial expert when it comes to the draft. I think you should think of these players as commodities and you're buying those commodities at their lowest price. And that's amazing when you can do that. And the Packers did that a ton on Saturday. So on day three, the Packers were able to get probably the best receiver left on the board. If you are taking size into account when they selected receiver Romeo dubs out of uh, at pick 132, this was a, very good pick. Okay. Dubs would be the second receiver drafted by the Packers in this draft, which is huge. We knew we needed to add a bunch of rookies to this roster. And this is the second one they were able to add. And he was a star at Nevada with Carson Strong at quarterback. He is the typical Packers receiver, six foot two, 200 pounds, caught over a thousand yards each of the last two seasons. We didn't get to fully appreciate his athleticism as he was recovering from a knee injury. Um, but he did end up having a one-off pro day right before the draft after just recovering, not at full strength entirely, but he ran a 4.47, 4.53, 40-yard dash, 34-inch vertical, 124-inch broad jump. So plenty fast, plenty explosive for a guy coming off a knee injury. This guy was considered as one of the top receivers in the country. He was a Bolitnikoff Award nominee. That award ended up going to Drake London, obviously. And um, so uh, this guy, he is a quality receiver. He, he Definitely is a deep threat, um, but he this season in 2021, he showed that he could be so much more than that. Extremely quick feet, great release package, um, just struggles in contested catch situations. He's not that physical at this point, but he does have very sure hands, very low, 5.8% career drop rate, uh, and that's because he has 94th percentile, just gigantic hands. And <clears throat> honestly, what a great pick. I wanted the undersized... Um, Calvin Austin, but I understand why the Packers wouldn't do that. Calvin Austin, he's very small. He's undersized. And the Packers already have two undersized receivers on this roster and Randall Cobb and Amari Rodgers. And it doesn't make sense to have five, three of your six receivers all be undersized in some capacity. So after really thinking about it, I understand why they would draft Romeo Dubs rather than a guy like Calvin Austin. And so that does make sense to me as you take that into account. Um, then the Packers at pick 140, just eight picks later, got another great 
prospect. Okay. Um, Zach Tom, offensive tackle out of Wake Forest. And this is one of the best values in the in- entire draft. Okay. My favorite draft evaluator system is PFF. And they had Zach Thomas, the number 64 overall player. And this is in the Packers got him at number 140. Okay. In college, Zach played left tackle, was amazing in his final season, had a 92.1 pass blocking grade. But because of his arm length, he probably will play into your offensive line moving forward. But athleticism why this guy is an elite athlete and he almost tested identically to Tyler Linderbaum he had that so important sub four five short shuttle and the great part about Zach Tom is that he performed incredibly well in college was incredibly athletic and he did it at the left tackle position okay so I think the Packers will try him at offense tackle. Um, he could easily move into your into your offensive line, though. Um, originally, the first offensive line lineman the Packers selected was Sean Ryan, which he's uh, Sean Ryan is a very athletic guy in himself. But to me, Tom is a better version, which we got a whole round later. And then, so as I think about that, I I talked about that in my podcast on uh, Saturday morning. But Zach Tom was the guy I mentioned. Hey, you don't need to draft Sean Ryan because you can get Zach Tom around later. And that's exactly what they did. Um, and there's a, that's a spot. Then the Packers could have drafted somebody else. And so, uh, and there's more offensive line linemen. We could have added here later in the draft at pick 171 uh, was the next Packers selection. They decided just to trade back just eight spots and then pick up an extra seventh round, a great move. Um, and they were they just took the best guy available on the board almost on every single person's board because that was Ed Rusher Kingsley and Nagbury out of South Carolina. Um, Kingsley and Nagbury was one of the highest graded pass rushers in the country over the past two, two seasons. He had an 89.2 pass rush grade in 2020 and 92.5 in 2021. He's not an insane athlete. That's why he fell this far in the draft, but he's a violent, aggressive player. And to get him at this point in the draft is just insane value. Who is the number 52 overall player according to PFF? Consensus, he was number 75. In either case, the Packers got him hundred picks later than he should have been drafted. And the Packers took advantage of that. Great job by them. They added depth to this pass rushing group, especially after going the entirety of the draft without getting a pass rusher. And then at pick 228, the Packers got uh, Tariq Carpenter, linebacker out of Georgia Tech. So we talked about him and I had a very short list of linebackers I liked going to the draft. And Tariq Carpenter was one of them. He was one of the Packers top 30 visits. And this one specifically stuck out to me in a big way because um, just what he played in college at his size. He's six foot two, 230 pounds. He played safety slot cornerback in college. He was a core special teamer in college as well. Um, but he has the athleticism to move to linebacker and be special. He ran a 4.5240 yard dash at 230 pounds. That's a speed score of over 100, 110. There's wide receivers that aren't, aren't even running that fast on a pound to pound basis. That's insane type of speed. He's proven it in college. He's been a consistent great tackler, which is so important for the linebacker position. And Carpenter's speed score matches up with his explosiveness as well because he had 136 inch broad jump, which would have tied for the best jump at the combine had he performed there. Tariq was much more explosive than a guy like even Troy Anderson, who I talked about earlier um, days, okay, who was a phenomenal athlete. Anderson is much faster, but the point is, hey, if you can get a guy with similar athleticism four rounds later, that might be the best option, especially considering Carpenter was asked to mostly play safety and slot cornerback in college, not linebacker. So there's a lot of potential there to develop. 
if there was a late round linebackers prospect I liked, this literally was the only one. He's he's going to not only be a phenomenal special teamer for the Packers, uh, but he has the potential to develop into a three down player and honestly reminds me so much of Quay Walker and what he's going to do well for our defense, but all the way back in round seven. Okay, and that's why the Quay Walker pick is so frustrating to me because guys like Leo Chanel, Troy Anderson, Tariq Carpenter were the guys I highlighted on my prospect lists to go after if the Packers felt like they needed a linebacker, and obviously they did, and then they go out and get one with the very first pick of the draft, and there's so much more value that can be found early on the draft when you can get guys the back of the second round, back of the third round, seventh round here, who I like a lot. Um, So really good pick by the Packers, but also just reminding us that not a great pick earlier on at that in the first round with Quay Walker. Um, uh, the Packers had two more seventh round picks, which I liked a lot. The first of uh, which was two pick for 249 offense tackle Rashid Walker out of Penn state. This is another, this is just about value guys. When you, you take a chance on a player when everybody's valuing him so high and you get him so low. Okay. You just, it's stocks. Okay. It's just simply stock exchanges. This is a money system. Think about this like finances, because this is the 113th ranked player on the overall consensus draft board fell over 130 spots down the board. That's the epitome of a steal. Um, Rashid Walker never lived up to expectations at Penn state, but at six foot six, 324 pounds, he physically looks the part. Um, another guy we can cross train at offense tackle at offense guard. We don't know how he would have tested. He's recovering from from a meniscus care uh, tear, but on tape, he truly does seem athletic enough to move at his size. He just needs to fully learn the position, and there's no better place to be coached up than Green Bay. And in the seventh round, if you can swing for the fences, you should, and we can do that here with Rashid Walker, another offensive lineman to add to our group, which makes it three. In the final piece of the puzzle, the final pick for the Packers was wide receiver Samori Torrey, out of Nebraska. I might not be saying that right, but I had a lot of notes on this guy. Um, he is six foot three, 190 pounds, and he came out of the scene and dominated for Nebraska for the last season um, and had an 80.9 PFF grade. But it's his athleticism, though, that makes him special. Okay. I, I got to really look in depth at him before the draft because he was on my list of, hey, seventh round undrafted guys. This is the guy I go after. And I honestly, honestly started to forget about him until late on day three as I was looking through my notes, and then the Packers drafted him. It was, it was quite amazing, actually. Uh, he, Torrey displayed straight-line speed at his pro day. He ran a 40-yard dash in 4.43 seconds. That would have ranked 12th among receivers at the NFL Combine. But he's doing that at six foot three, hundred ninety pounds, okay, which is awesome. His three-cone drill, 6.77 seconds, which would have been third among wideouts of the combine. His 20-yard shuttle of 4.22, which replaced him fourth in the position group. And then he had a vertical of 34.5 inches, which would have tied for 14th. And a broad jump of 10 foot 4 inches, which would have tied for 16th. Those are okay numbers. Nothing special for the jumps. But his straight-line speed, his agility is insane. Honestly, those agility numbers specifically are very, very similar numbers to Kelvin Austin, who I also loved very much. But uh, Samori is doing this at an entirely different size at uh, six foot three, 190 pounds. Okay. That is an incredibly different thing to do than doing it at five foot seven, 160 pounds. 
This gives Samori a speed score of 102, which is awesome. He still has the agility and explosiveness fairly similar to Calvin Austin at a much bigger size. His 20-yard split even was 1.86 seconds, which is faster than Chris Olave, faster than George Pickens, or Christian Watson. Yes, Christian Watson. His 20-yard split was faster than his. Okay. Um, I think Turi is a secret steal in the upcoming draft, and the Packers were able to get him with their final pick. This was an awesome move. And like all these prospects we're talking about, I already had notes on them because I liked them all so much. Okay. The final five picks of the draft literally were perfect, spot on, exactly what I would have done knowing the situation the Packers were already in. It was an amazing day three, one that I pretty much honestly couldn't have asked to go better, any better than it did. Okay. But um, it was an overall good draft, I'd say. It was a good draft. It wasn't a great draft. It wasn't an amazing draft. It was good. It was a, it was a little above average, um, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't awful, okay? But still, knowing everything we know, no, knowing all the different trades that happened around the Packers. So I'm not even just projecting trades that would happen, but trades that happened around the Packers. I want to go through this NFL draft in full. We've done the first two rounds or the first two days the last in our last two podcasts and what I would have done. But I want to just like help you really understand where the Packers could be at right now had we really took an advantage of our situation with the draft capital we had. And it starts in the very first round at pick 12, okay, just think, had the Packers traded up for wide receiver Jamison Williams on day one by giving up that 28, pick 28, and pick um, the second round, the second, second round pick, um, <clears throat> we could have got up and gotten Jamison Williams, okay, uh, a, a tier one wide receiver, okay, the my favorite receiver in this draft, not often are you able to get the best receiver in the draft, okay? And we had the opportunity to do that. The Vikings traded back with the Lions and got terrible value for that trade. It was a terribly uneven trade for the favor of the Lions. We could have give them, given the Vikings a better trade option with a more, it would have been a lot more even and still the Packers could have came out on top with the trade value that they got there. Jamison Williams is a, a one-of-a-kind player his floor is Will Fuller. His ceiling is Tyreek Hill. Okay. And that's a, that's a, that's a really high floor and that's a really high ceiling. Okay. And you could be leaving this draft right now feeling just incredibly better just with that one player. Okay. Incredibly better. And then with the second move in the first round, we had pick 22. Now, Chiefs traded up to pick 21 to trade with the New England Patriots. They gave up a third rounder and a fourth rounder to do so. Now, the Packers could have done that exact same trade with them. I honestly guarantee you that the Chiefs called the Packers just like they would have called New England to make that trade. I don't know why they wouldn't have because New England was not going to take a guy like Trent McGuffey. They do not like those types of that small undersized corner in that defense. It's just, it's very obvious that they didn't like that. Okay. There's reports that if they couldn't find a trade partner back, the Patriots, they would have taken Cole strange there, which is the guy they took at 29 anyways. So I'm thinking, or, uh, or at 30, whatever it was, pick 29 or pick 30. Um, but I'm thinking like, okay, 
So if they couldn't find a trade partner, Chiefs were the only trade partner. And the thing is, though, that the Chiefs, again, did not give them a good, did not get a good deal out of that. The The Patriots got the best deal out of that moving backwards. So the Packers could have taken advantage of a good deal to move up, which was a really good trade for the Packers. And then doing the same thing, trading back at pick 22 to pick 29. And then I think we should have taken a tier one edge rusher in George Karloftis. Okay, George Karloftis was the number 10 overall player on PFF's board. He was the number 18 overall player on the overall consensus board. And to get him at pick 29, we're talking about a tier one edge rusher, one of the youngest edge rushers, uh, by the way. Um, in the draft. And so he has not hit his ceiling yet. Like some of these other guys have been able to do playing at just 21 years old. I think he just turned 21 years old. Okay. This guy is a young player, but it was still was so good as a pass rusher. This guy had 55 pressures as a true freshman as well. Okay. Getting a guy like George Kyle Loftus at that part of the draft would have been huge. And then we move on to the second round. And with already addressing two very high value positions, receiver, edge rusher, two of the most important positions on your roster. The only other one might be cornerback you'd put in that group. Okay. Um, and so, which was just phenomenal, would have been phenomenal moves. Okay. And then we go to round two. Round two, the Packers would have traded away pick 59 in the trade up to move with Jameson Williams. But at pick 53, they still would have had that. And at pick 55 or pick 53, one of the two, this is exactly where wide receiver Sky Moore got drafted. And he is truly, to me, the fifth best receiver in this class. Okay. It was, to me, it was Jameson Williams, Garrett Wilson in their own tier. It was Chris Olave and Drake London in tier two. And then tier three did not include guys like, um, uh, shoot, Traylon Burks. Did not include guys like Jahan Dotson. Those guys, to me, were tier four dudes, okay? Those were tier four players. My tier three, my very next player on my list was Sky Moore. I think he was capable of being a first-round player. Uh, other uh, high-value people out there also thought he was capable of being a first-round player. PFF was one of those. He went to a small... Uh, FBS program though. So he didn't get highlighted like some of these other prospects do, but I truly believe he's the fifth best receiver in this class and really honestly a perfect compliment to what Jameson Williams does yards, um, yards after the catch, not in broken tackles, but in speed is that that's Jameson Williams type of game. He wins with speed and he also is a great route runner, but he wins deep. He wins with speed. And then Sky Moore also athletic enough but what he does so well is he has insane first step quickness, insane release package, great route runner, able to create separation. And then he's a yard after catch guy, but through broken tackles. This guy broke the most tackles of any receiver um, last season. Okay, so now you're going in and you're leaving the draft just by the end of round two. Your wide receiver depth chart goes Jameson Williams, Sky Moore, Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers. That is an amazing group of wide receivers already. And you have a tier one edge rusher with a group of, and I don't know if you know this, but last year, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith only played 63 and 64% of snaps respectively. Okay. You need three, a third and a fourth edge rusher. You do. You need to have those guys. And those guys are not currently on the roster. Some really not good players on this roster behind those two guys. Last year, 
we had Zedaria Smith. We had uh, Whitney Merciless. Okay, those were we had four deep at edge rusher. That's why our defense was so good in the playoffs. That's why our defense didn't give up a touchdown in the playoffs. Actually, our special teams gave up a touchdown. Our special teams gave up a field goal. Uh, our defense one time gave up a field goal. I'd say, and so. But that defense was amazing because it had four, it was four deep at edge rusher. They could stay fresh the entire game and create havoc. And that's what I think you still need to keep doing. And the Packers, they missed out on the opportunity. Now, though, uh, so we are three picks in. Now, with our first third round pick, the Packers actually have two third round picks because of the Kansas City Chiefs trade up situation to pick 22, okay, where they selected. Um, cornerback Trent McDuffie. Okay. Now the Packers could have used their first pick pick 92, which they originally used on Sean Ryan. But here I would have the Packers trading up. Okay. There was a couple prospects, some very big name prospects. I loved still on the board at pick 75 and the Packers had a lot of trade capital to work with. Still the Packers could have traded up with the Houston Texans by using picks 92 and picks 140 to trade all the way up to pick 175 with the Houston Texans. Here, two amazing players were on the board, including one of which was offensive tackle Bernard Ryman, one of my favorite offensive tackles in this draft, but reports are he did have a medical red flag on his knee to the point where he was medically failed, like totally removed from any draft board. So had he been healthy, I would have taken him, but that's okay because there was another great option there, and that was interior defensive lineman Travis Jones, the number 40 overall player on the consensus draft board, a guy who I think will be just as impactful as Devontae Wyatt could be this season, but we had to draft Devontae Wyatt in the first round. Here, you can get Travis Jones in the third round, okay? Almost as impactful, a run stuffer, but also has the athleticism to be a plus pass rusher as well. Um, And comparing him to Wyatt, they aren't really that different. Wyatt is slightly more athletic, but I think that's only because he's 20 pounds lighter than Travis Jones. Not to mention, Wyatt is one and a half years older than Travis Jones. So Jones still has another year to develop if he desired to. Um, If Travis Jones decided to lose 10 to 20 pounds, I think he could have the same testing numbers as Wyatt. But more importantly, I like Travis Jones, the size he is. That fits perfectly in our defense because it allows... When we do have three interior defensive linemen, it allows Travis Jones to play nose tackle, so then Kenny Clark doesn't have to anymore. Kenny Clark is not as valuable at nose tackle as he is at three tech, okay? Um, And so now, and the other great thing about Travis Jones is he has ideal arm length, while Wyatt has pretty short arms. To me, getting Travis Jones at pick 75 rather than Wyatt at pick 28 is a huge deal. Both players were very comparable to one another. On the consensus draft board, Wyatt was the twenty number 27 overall player, while Travis Jones was the number 40 overall player. Not that much of a difference, but more importantly, this would have been a steal of a move getting Travis Jones 35 spots further down the board than he deserved to go. Okay, so this would have been a huge move. Travis Jones also has a lot more history of being able to take on double teams while Devontae Wyatt does not. And you need, if you're going to be a defense that plays just two interior defense alignment on the field, you have to have your two interior defense alignment have to be able to take on double teams. I'm, I don't know if why it can consistently like Travis Jones could, because you need Kenny Clark uh, and Travis Jones. They could have been able to both take on double teams pretty consistently, allowing your linebackers to roam and make plays. Then 
with the second third round pick. So then we would still have pick 94. And here with this pick 94, this is a pick the Packers would have received from the trade back in round one with the Chiefs specifically. Okay, here would have been an incredible opportunity to select linebacker Leo Chanel. This guy's a freak athlete, 9.99 RAS score, which ranks third out of over 2,400 linebackers that were drafted between or that went to the combine between 1987 and 2022. Not only that, but he had a 94.1 run, run defense grade. The only player at the linebacker position to ever have a higher run defense grade in college was Micah Parsons, who was the defensive player of the year last year. Chanel doesn't have the length that like Koi Walker does, who the Packers drafted, but still is a very good player and a very sure tackler. And the tackling was one of the only things that made Walker stand out, really. Chanel could also do so good. And even more importantly, as a blitzing linebacker, Chanel was elite in college as a pass rusher when he did, and I think could be elite at that at the NFL level as well, because that's not Devondre Campbell's strong suit. And now with these two picks in the third round, the Packers filled the needs they desired to finish out their defense with. They just didn't have to reach on players to do so in the first round. They actually waited got incredible value instead and got Travis Jones 35 spots later from the overall consensus and got Leo Chanel 33 spots later, which is awesome. Just incredible, incredible value. So I think this is just, it makes too much sense not to do this. Okay. Now we are on to the fourth round. And so in the fourth round, we actually lost pick 132 and 140 with our two trade-ups. We lost one pick 132 when we uh, traded up for uh, to draft Jameson Williams. We had to give up our second and a fourth round to make that happen, and that was and that's okay. You know, that's yes, you would not like to have to do that, but if we're going to make the trade that the Lions was a much more reasonable trade for the Vikings, that would have been the trade to take if that was an offer was on the table actually, which I don't think it was. Um, and the other trade up was to get Travis Jones, which we again had to make the offer worth it. So we had to give up pick 140. So in the fourth round, the Packers really actually only had pick 121. That was the trade from the trade back from the Chiefs. And here I would have the Packers trading back one more time. Okay. Uh, with this pick in the fourth round, I would trade back again because I could see looking at the draft that the Washington Commanders. I, I have to imagine they were getting nervous. They may have been trying to trade up, but nobody was willing to trade back with them. But I would have. I would have given up pick 121 and picks 249 for picks 144 and 149. This is a very even trade. It's a very fair trade if you look at the trade value chart. And this would have ensured that the Washington Commanders would have gotten their guy in QB Sam Howell in the fourth round, which is a steal. Because it was crazy that he had fallen down the how far he's fallen down the board already. And so to trade up for a QB like this would have been a good idea for the commanders. I could easily see them making a move like that. And so to me, that makes sense. And so then at pick 144, we would have been able to still select Zach Tom off the tackle out of Wake Forest. This is one of the best values in the draft. The Packers were the one that drafted them. So I assume he would, he would last four more picks. Um, and actually with both of these picks at 144, four and 149 we're gonna replenish our offensive line now okay in this draft because i attacked wide receiver uh then edge rusher then wide receiver again then interior defensive line and linebacker we have not addressed offensive line yet and this is a big need for the packers so i'm gonna get two guys i really like here and 
uh, Zach Tom is the first, okay? Zach Tom was the number 64 overall player, and, and we are getting him at pick 144 here, okay? He was amazing in his final season, 92.1 pass blocking grade, like we talked about. Definitely elite athleticism, okay? More athletic than Sean Ryan easily and played at a much higher level than Sean Ryan in college as well, okay? So if you're not going to get Sean Ryan, I'd much rather get Zach Tom here, okay? And then after that, we get um, at pick 149, we get Darian Kennard and tier offensive lineman out of Kentucky, okay? Kennard played three elite seasons of football at Kentucky. He had an 89.2 grade in 2019, 91.5 grade in 2020, and 91.9 grade in 2021. This guy was insane and has the size to play tackle. He does lack the length though. He lacks the athleticism as well. So we'll probably play into your offensive line, but this guy's an insane run blocker would be well worth the pick. He was falling down draft boards. He was PFF's number uh, 79 overall player, consensus number 66 overall player, and a steal in an offensive line Line pros, lineman prospect I'm very excited about, especially considering the Packers' run-blocking unit has been terrible for years now. And for this trade to work, we had to get rid of pick 249, which isn't ideal. Um, so they won't get to draft Rasheed Walker. They don't get to draft Sean Ryan in this redo. But I would much rather have Zach Tom and Darian Kennard than Sean Ryan and uh, Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, and Rasheed Walker. If I can make those other things work, I'm willing to give up Rasheed Walker. And so if I'm willing to give up Rasheed Walker, I'd much rather have Darren Kennard and Zach Tom than Sean Ryan and Zach Tom. I just, that's how I feel. I think the grades matter. I think the Packers front office, they are very smart to focus on really good athletic traits, really good measurables, but they also, I think sometimes overlook production to a fault and here is an example of that because i think darren Kennard was a much better player in college than sean ryan and i think here is a great great pick that the packers had the opportunity to get and so then at pick 171 is the packers next pick um in the original draft they traded back just eight spots to pick up a seventh rounder and that was a great move and they selected the best player on the board which was kingsley and agbury out of south carolina and this is the same move i would make just an incredible job by the packers um, drafting in Nagbury now in my redo of the, of the draft would have given the Packers four edge rushers to be excited about. And four is the perfect number you need for a defensive line to truly be special. Allow your top guys to only be playing about two thirds of snaps and then let these new guys be playing, you know, one third of snaps. Okay. Uh, which is just perfect to keep them fresh. Let these guys develop because they are, they are, these two are talented edge rushers we just added. And then the next two picks would stay the same. 228 would get linebacker Tariq Carpenter out of Georgia Tech, um, that insane athlete who's transferring over to linebacker. And I think Leo Chanel and him complement each other really well because if Leo Chanel was not ready to be a third down linebacker type of player, Tariq Carpenter could come in and be that guy in the middle of our defense. And so you don't need to get Quay Walker at pick 22. And then at 258, the final receiver we'd add to this group, allowing the Packers to add three guys, and he's a Packers type, has the agility, the short area quickness, the athleticism, but at 6'3", 190 pounds, I love this pick and a perfect final compliment to our receiving core. Not to mention the huge list of undrafted free agents I would have loved to pick up. And this year, every year, it gets me really frustrated because undrafted rookie free agents, all it is is they, you know, they look at opportunity. They want to see a place that they can make the team, but also they look at, hey, who's going to give me the best deal? Who's going to guarantee me the most money? Uh, so I don't, so I can 
make money. I just, I'm trying to make a living. Okay. This is in this barely, this doesn't count against your salary cap. Only the top 53 players count against your salary cap. So everything you do after that, which is definitely undrafted free agent rookies to get them in your building, it doesn't matter how much you're paying them. Okay. You could pay them $5 million. I wouldn't do that, but I mean, you can pay them a lot of money. You can, you could give them a fully guaranteed contract. Okay. It's just money you lose out of your pocket, but that money is worth it. If you're finding more, if you're getting more talented players on your team, okay, and letting them come in your building to see what they're about. And so you have the opportunity as a general manager, as an owner, if you really think about it, hey, we can make our roster incrementally better. And one of these guys could work out to be actually special. A couple of these guys could work out to be solid average starters. And a couple of these guys can be great depth rotational pieces for us, but we will not be able to even know that because we are not giving them a high enough contract. And that seems to be <laughs> uh, a little bit of the issue because there's a lot of very talented players here that I would have brought in. Uh, at the QB position, um, Cole Kelly uh, was a very unique prospect I would love to see. And then more importantly, though, QB Carson Strong would have been amazing talent to bring in. Jordan Love should be traded. He shouldn't be on the roster. And these two would have been amazing talents to bring in. Carson Strong, if he didn't have the knee injury, red flag. He probably should have been a second round pick. He was that good. Guys with red flags can still become great players. They just are risky. But there's no risk here as an undrafted free agent. I would have loved to see Carson Strong be able to develop for three years behind Aaron Rodgers and then let him go. Oh my gosh. That would have been amazing. On the offensive line, there were so many guys the Packers should have brought in like Rashid Walker, who we drafted at the end of the seventh. And in my redo, we wouldn't have probably drafted him. We couldn't have been able to draft him. So if had he gone undrafted, Rashid Walker, Kellen Deshaun at Arizona State, who didn't lose a rep at left tackle at the Shrine Bowl. Reminds me of a young David Bakhtiari, just a little worse, okay? Donovan West, literally Lucas Patrick 2.0, a very young prospect. He hasn't even turned 21 yet. So he didn't play well in college, but he's not an old prospect at all. Like a lot of these guys are. Okay. He's not even 21. He can play center, left guard, right guard. Okay. And then Jason Poe, who would have been one of the most athletic offensive linemen at the combine had he been able to go. He just needs to add a little weight. He's in the 290s right now. Got to get him up to 300. But once he can do that, he's going to be a good interior offensive lineman at receiver. Kevin Austin out of Notre Dame, Isaiah Weston out of Northern Iowa, amazing vertical threats you could have brought in. True slot receiver options also were available. These guys who are very intriguing players, but are super undersized, so they went undrafted, like Devin Tompkins, like Jarrett Stearns. And then how do you not bring in Justin Ross out of Clemson? He looked like a star early on in his career. There's no hurt to bring in a guy like this, even if he's a medical red flag. He's an undrafted free agent. You can cut him, okay? And then defensively, we were able to get a lot of guys from the draft, but adding a, a linebacker like Jack Sanborn, who is extremely unathletic, okay? But he did play at an elite level, so he is worth a shot. Same with cornerback Mario Goodrich, who played at a high level in college, just unathletic. And then, but safety Scott Nelson, um, had he been at the combine, would have been the highest tested player, one of the highest tested players at the position. He was that athletic at Wisconsin's pro day, and getting some safety depth would have been is crucial to this because that's one position we did not get to attack at all in the draft. And the even as a, a special teamer who I think is amazing punter, Ryan Stonehouse has the potential to truly be special. He was in college, bring him in, see what he can do. Let him compete against the punter. We just signed who I find to be 
kind of bad, honestly, was a bad selection or signing by the Packers was that punter we brought in. Um, I would love to see Ryan Stonehouse and see what he has to offer. Uh, in conclusion, the Packers had a fine draft. Not awful, not great. Um, they went for a little bit more potential in athleticism or certain measurables rather than production. And some of the time, um, it can work out when you take really athletic guys, athletic guy, NFL athletes, to be successful, you have to be super athletic. I get that. But basing all of your decisions off of athleticism or measurables can hurt you in the long run. You can get lucky on it for a while, but it doesn't last. The Chiefs GM... If you look at the Chiefs draft, it's basically exactly what I would do if I were the GM. He drafted cornerback Trent McDuff- McDuffie, great production in college, but a little smaller to fill a huge need for them. Also, we got George Karloftis, uh, Sky Moore, Darian Kennard, and Isaiah Pacheco. It's insane how similar I think to the Chiefs general manager. Um, and the same thing occurred last year with center Creed Humphrey, Trace, guard Trey Smith, who ended up being incredible starters for them for the Chiefs last season. Um, my redoing of the NFL draft, honestly, in conclusion, if I wanted to, if you want to hear everything one more time, would have allowed the Packers to draft a tier one wide receiver with elite game changing speed in Jameson Williams, Sky Moore, an all around number two wide receiver, and Samari Torrey, the Nebraska super uber athletic 6'3, 190 pounder that Green Bay covets. We could have added two high value additions to our offensive line in Zach Tom and Derek Kennard, who the combination of Josh Myers, Royce Newman, Josh Nijman, Dennis Kelly, all could have competed to be the three stars on the right side of, of the offensive line. We could have had the perfect complement to Kenny Clark with Travis Jones, who is younger and more of a run-stuffing nose tackle than what Devontae Wyatt brings, and gotten depth on the edge with George Karloftis and Arnold Ebiketti to give the Packers four deep at edge rusher. And whenever uh, Karloftis was ready, the Packers could have moved on from Preston Smith. And Karloftis, if he is ready faster, he could come in on pass rushing downs as your 3-4 defensive end too. We could have had a more productive player in college who was more athletic than Leo Chanel over Quay Walker. The only thing Chanel is missing is his arm length, but that's not everything. You still have to be good at the position, and Quay Walker really hasn't been good yet. And if Chanel wasn't ready to play on third downs and passing downs, Tariq Carpenter could have been that third down linebacker possibly from day one. The Packers have a great trio at cornerback, so we didn't get to address that. There was a guy loved late in the draft, but we couldn't get him. And we couldn't address safety as well, depth. But there's undrafted free agents. There's veteran guys who you could bring in if you have to. Um, This draft would have been spectacular. And it's the combination of getting on the phone to make moves happen and using the board to your advantage that could allow the Packers to get so many talented players. And this is what should have happened. And it's frustrating to know where your team could be. But let's just cross our fingers that I was wrong and the Packers did the right things. Uh, But if I was right, uh, let's hope that the GM of the Packers becomes an elected position by stakeholders, owners, and I can run for office. So (laughs) that's all we have today, folks, though. Make sure to stay tuned for more episodes of Packers Now. Uh, We'll probably give you one more episode later this week talking about some other free agents maybe we should consider after the draft. But um, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. Give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about about the podcast and uh, tell all your friends about Packers Now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Thanks, guys.